last year, 80, 82% of all new car registrations last year in Norway were EVs. So we're seeing a different market dynamic in Norway where they're wrestling with the impact of, you know, the cost to repair versus the cost of repairing so an ICU vehicle. Good morning, good evening, and welcome. Matthew Grant here for a bit of a midweek special. I'm talking to Adrian Coupland at Ernix to learn about the challenges insurers face today in a world where the nature of risk is changing faster and in ways we often don't expect, from supply chain challenges to motor pricing. If you want to know more about Ernix and many other topics we cover, then take a look at our new website, www.instech.co, now organized around the themes and topics you care about. Adrian, it's great to be talking to you again. Uh, we talked a few years ago during COVID webinar, and uh, I've learned something new about you today. When we were warming up, just testing your audio is okay, you said you're Adrian Coupland and you like fast cars and walking. That sounds a unusual combination. It is, yes, indeed. More fast cars and running um, is probably a better description. So yes, indeed, do like fast cars. I'm looking forward to the new Formula One season starting in a few weeks' time as well. So that's going to be good to see you know, how that, um, that whole sport plays out in the new season with some of the new changes to the cars. So yeah, all good. Excellent. Well, we probably should keep to our core topic uh, before we get too distracted by the excitement of fast cars. Uh, so <laughs> just before we kick off, a bit of overview for who Ernix is. So you're a rating and pricing analysis platform. The lines of insurance covered include personal, commercial, usage-based, and health. And the pricing tools can be configured to the needs of individual users. You were founded back in 2001, which makes you 23 years old. And I saw you're valued at over a billion dollars. You've got more than 100 commercial customers across 35 country. So quite a big organization. You are Adrian Coupland. You're head of sales for Europe, Middle East and Africa. How is that? That's right. Absolutely. Great to be here. Great. So we'd like to get straight to the point. If there's one thing or one way you can describe what Ernix does for your clients, what problem are you solving for them? Some different challenges, really. I mean, if you look at the UK market specifically, uh, we're seeing quite a significant rise in uh, personal motor costs you know, huge rises. There's been some regulatory reform done a few, a couple of years ago, but we're seeing quite a significant increase now in terms of the cost of the average motor insurance policy increasing as a result of spiralling claims costs. And um, so that that presents a, a challenge for the insurer in terms of how do they price effectively and profitably uh, looking forward? Because what they're seeing is, you know, the cost of repairing vehicles, the cost of the labour, the time to repair vehicles is taking much longer than historically. So that plays into their loss cost models. How do they work that through? And how do they essentially update their pricing models quickly to react on what's happening in the market and get it out quickly into the marketplace? That point about car insurance is really interesting. So we had the price walking legislation in the UK. So I think most people in the UK understand that. But for those outside the UK, essentially the, the point of that was insurers were no longer allowed to offer preferential rates to new insurers. So I might be interested in fast cars, but I don't own one. I own a Volvo. I don't think Volvos are allowed to go or made to go fast. But the, our insurance, extraordinary, it's halved in the year that, that price walking regulation was introduced. <laughs> then it went all the way back up again the following year. And I think that's pretty symptomatic. And you gave some points there about why that's happening. But why, why do we see that? To me, it's like a sort of bounce. We bounce down and bounce back up again. 
I mean, you talked a bit about some of the trends, but is there something driving this as, as well that's suddenly happened in the last 24 months about that price increase? So responding specifically to the general insurance pricing practices from the FCA, that regulation came into effect primarily to ensure that renewing customers were offered the same rates as new customers. So there was very clear evidence in the market that new customers were getting better pricing than existing customers. And that was driven by propensity. People have different propensities to shop around at renewal. Um, so that Essentially, insurers had to level up their pricing for new customers and existing customers. So that drove a bit of a reset into the marketplace. So there's quite a lot of settling, resettling needed. And so where historically their models around propensity and how much of the quotes that they were getting, they were going to convert. And then how did that then forward translate into profitability all got reset as a result of that. So there's a essentially a portfolio reset. So that was one of the big things. I think more latterly, what we're seeing is this year, significant price increase increases. I think that's probably settling. I think the JIP stuff has relatively settled. But what we're seeing now is a significant increase around the costs for the insurance companies, specifically when it comes to repairing vehicles. The cost of the resources has gone up. The cost of labor has gone up. The availability of labor is less. And therefore, the time to get things repaired are longer. And therefore, claims costs are going up. And that's being passed on to the consumer. Yeah. And I've also heard that Tesla, for example, this is for each of cars, they're designed to be built cheaply they're not really designed to be repaired cheaply. A very a good example. I mean, we're seeing that last year, 80, 82% of all new car registrations last year in Norway were EVs. So we're seeing a different market dynamic in Norway where they're wrestling with the impact of, you know, the cost to repair versus the cost of repairing so an ICU vehicle. We're not going to go down this rat hole of how much it costs to insure a four-wheel drive vehicle in London, but we did have an interesting discussion recently on the podcast about you know, it costs you 3% now of the value of a ship to insure a ship going through the Black Sea or probably going past Yemen these days. There are people quoting 18% for a Range Rover. And basically, it's riskier to park in central London by quite a long way than it is to take a ship through the Red Sea these days. But I want to come back and talk a bit about, you mentioned in there before about this ability and flexibility to change the price. So if a company's not using a technology like Ernix, what, what would they traditionally have been doing for, uh, for rating? I think there historically there's been a high degree of use of monolithic platforms where an insurer has got a policy administration system and it, and it does everything um, satisfactorily. So it's a good system of record, manages claims, does the finance elements and also has a rating engine associated with it. What was really lacking in a lot of these policy administration systems is the ability to be truly agile, uh, to be analytical in terms of reviewing the performance of the products which are being put into market and then responding to them quickly enough. Because if you think about typically the custodians of these uh, policy administration uh, systems is the IT team. They've typically got an IT work stack, a set of priorities already set, you know, for the next six months. So when you're wanting to make a, a very quick pricing change or a product adjustment, you have to join the queue and that introduces delays into the process. And then we, we've talked about motor, but you've got quite a breadth there of lines you offer. In a couple of other areas, lines of business, what are the pricing challenges you're helping people Solve. We cover motor. We do home, travel, pet, warranty, SME, health, and more recently, um, specialty. The challenges are different, right? They, the challenges by client, by geography are different. We're, we're seeing an emerging theme mainly in the main part of Europe around a lot of centralization. So we're seeing a number of insurers now who have got 
the vision where they want to be building a, a centralized pricing team with a single hub, which then supports all the different geographies that they operate in rather than having them sort of dispersed into the relevant um, geographies. So that's one one theme that we're seeing at the moment. Inflation in the UK is a key thing that doesn't just present itself as a problem for the motor market. It presents itself as a problem for other lines of business as well. So there are, by market, the challenges are different. And that's good to hear about agility because that's certainly one of the great hopes about more data and better analytics and better computing power. What are the examples of where you're seeing insurers are looking to be more agile or even better where they actually are succeeding in being more agile these days? One of the key challenges that insurers um, have been suffering with is the the over-reliance on the business back into the IT team to make changes to their pricing and product, simplistically. So coming back to the earlier point around these monolithic platforms where they do everything well, there is a, a very, very clear movement and a very clear area of focus for insurers now to get the power back into the hands of the business. So when they want to make a pricing change, whether that's in a you know, specialty line, whether it's in high net worth, whether it's in health, whether it's in pet or travel, they don't want to have to put themselves in a position where they're chasing rate. They see something, they see a market trend, they see a shift, and they want to act upon it. They do all of the work from the perspective of the analytics, they build new pricing, they build new rating, and then it gets stuck in a queue. And and by the time they've deployed it to market, they're just too late. So what we're seeing is that real desire and hunger from insurers to become more agile, and and they're now investing in doing it, buying business platforms, which actually puts the power back in the hands of the, the business user, who can go, right, the integration's done, these are the changes we want to make to our product. We're going to go and do them ourselves. We don't want to join an ITQ. We're taking back control of our future. And I mean, it relates to how we lead our personal lives. If you want to go and travel, and I know you've just come back from, from uh, Portugal, you go and book our own flights. We, we do everything online. So naturally, in the business environment, you wouldn't expect to have to go and wait you know, for somebody in IT to go and do that for you. You can completely see, see why it makes sense. And that, that leads on to the, the next topic, which is, who, who typically is buying these types of platforms now? So it sounds like it's more in the the business users are, are I guess, maybe they're not ultimately paying for it, but they're driving the decision these days as opposed to traditionally it might have been somebody in an IT department. Is that is that the case? Yeah, very much so. The key people that are using our system and the people that are involved in you know our engagements before they start using the system are typically heads of pricing, actuarial teams, data scientists, chief underwriting officers. Clearly, the CIO has got a, a vested interest and is is very interested in what's going to be happening there. So it's it's a very broad spectrum. But the earlier personas are definitely the people that we're we're engaged with the most. And then, how do they justify the cost? What what are, what are their kind of return on investment calculations that they have to make to be able to support that business case internally? Being in the market for twenty plus years, we've delivered these solutions into insurers and um, and MGAs and brokers, and we can evidence via other clients the return on investment that future clients are going to get from us. They can do those rate updates as quickly as they want to do, and we've got multiple examples of clients doing intra intraday rate changes depending on what they're seeing from a, a performance perspective versus their KPIs. Key aspect, though, is making sure that you've got the right level of governance and control in place. With great power comes great responsibility. We've got a very, very robust uh, governance process within the system to make sure that, you know, rates that go into the market are the right rates that go into the market. And then for your user, I mean, these days, people are being given more and more platforms, technology to use. Is there next one more piece on the desktop or can you integrate that into existing workflow? 
If I look across my client portfolio, I've got over 40 customers across the EMEA region, and we have integrations with over 24 different uh, platforms. <laughs> so it's quite an interesting number to think about where we're integrated into. So we have you know, integrations with you know, many of the major policy administration systems, but we also integrate with homegrown or home-written systems as well. And, and, and our objective here, Matthew, in reality is for our system to be the system of the future. You know, the innovation platform for insurers to be able to build product, test products, deploy it to market. There's definitely a, uh, a race to be, to be the platform. And uh, it's interesting seeing that combination of people who are like yourselves, I think, who are providing analytics and data, but also looking to be the platform. And it's going to be a really interesting couple of years ahead of us, this sort of combination of what I call frenemies, you know, people you're collaborating with, but sometimes you're also competing with. Uh, and then you said 40 companies in there. I'm sure you've been around for long enough that they allow you to talk about at least some of who there are. Any, any names you, you can share? Most of them are on our website. We work with the post office from a travel perspective. We work with Insure, who's an impressive um, organization. We've recently started to work with a large top 10 mutual in France called Matmut and Tesco. So there's a, you know, a few to reference, but there are many more. So Adrian, as you look out into, into 2024 on this theme of innovation and use of technology, what do you see coming next? A number of the insurers are very much on a mission now to arrest some of these challenges they've had historically and invest in innovation to make sure that they can be, you know, being the partner of choice for consumers moving forward. I'd expect to see some consolidation, I think, in the market. We're already seeing that in terms of some of the early weeks of uh, this year and, and the later weeks of last year, where you're seeing some um, historically large players divesting from lines of business and specialising in other lines of business. I'm thinking specifically about the news with, I think, RSA moving away from certain lines of business and focusing in on, on other core lines of business. So I think we're going to see more of that for sure. From an earnings perspective, one of the key areas of focus for us at the moment is we've recently launched a product called Underwrite It. So our existing pricing platform is called Price It. We've launched a product called Underwrite It, which has the power to transform the underwriting segment as we have with the, the pricing segment in the marketplace. So it's a, essentially an analytical machine learning based underwriting platform. So it will allow insurers to have a central place where they can store all of their underwriting rules again, give the power back of the control of those rules back to the business rather than it being in, in IT so they can change them quickly. And most importantly, they can run analysis. So if they're looking to do different segmentation, different underwriting rules for certain segments, they can run that and understand what the impact is both to their acquisition, but also their existing portfolio. So that's a, a super exciting product for us. And we're you know we're very, very excited to get that out into the market and start talking to our clients about it. Great names as well. Nice and nice and straightforward. So if somebody wants to know more about Priced or Underwriting, what's the best way to discover that? Give me a call. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Go onto our website. All the information is on there. Uh, very happy to speak to anybody in the insurance industry, anywhere. <laughs> Great. Well, what is it about what we're doing in Instec that uh, is, you're finding useful for you or your colleagues at Earnings? I really like the open communication style of Instech. The events that I that I've attended, very well um, attended by professionals from the insurance in, from the insurance market, and I just like I like the openness. I like the subjects that you cover, and there's no slant on it. You know, it's very open in terms of there's no hidden agenda. So I I'm a big fan of the way that you guys run your events, run your podcasts, and and interact generally with your partners. I think it's very good. No, oh, thank you, and it's, it's a pleasure to work with you. Uh, well. Adrian, that's been really helpful. I am going to let you get back to the rest of your day, but I hope we'll see you in person again at some of the events. Lots of really interesting things coming out this year, pushing further out actually into the world of risk management. And you'll be interested to know, given your interest in fast cars, I don't know if you were there for the last event we had with Aston Martin, 
But through our risk manager community, we're going to have the risk manager from Aston Martin turning up at an event in the not-too-distant future. So we'll let you know on that one specifically. That'd be good. Yes, look forward to that, definitely. Okay, <laughs> many thanks. Brilliant. Thanks, Matthew. Well, that's it for today. If you want to learn more about membership of Instec and how we can help you share your stories with the world, take a look at www.instec.co or email any of us, hello at instec.co.